0: Hello and welcome to a very special show 13 of The Walk. Why is it special? Well, for no other reason than it is the first static edition of The Walk. I'm outdoors still, I'm on location, but I am not walking. I am in fact stood up, overlooking the docks near to where I work, um, tried to find the best area to do this, where well, I'm not going to be disturbed by people constantly walking past, um, but also I'm in a well-sheltered area, because the wind can get very um, very strong across here. I did just turn the corner a minute ago, thinking that I was going to do it somewhere else, and, and the wind blasted me. And I just thought, well, there's no way that's going to work in the um, the mouthpiece of... of um, the phone that I use to record this this podcast. So i found a spot that um, I think is, is a good one. Um, why have I decided to do this? Well, no major reason. Um, just that it's getting on in the week now and I haven't yet recorded this week's show and I've had a couple of days where I haven't walked to work for various reasons because I've needed to take the car. So really my windows of opportunity are running out. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do this. And um, hopefully it'll it'll work. Um, so there should be a lot less puffing and panting this week. If I do start puffing and panting, then one might have to ask what it is that I'm actually doing. Um, so yeah, there, should have been, there shouldn't be any of that. Okay, well, what have we got to talk about today? Well, it's show 13. Um... I was gonna talk a little bit about football. Now, I can already hear the groans. You know, this isn't a sports podcast, it's not a football podcast, but it is a podcast recorded by somebody who does love their football. Um I've been hugely into the game since about the age of of nine. Um found my own way into it really. I think I think it was the the panini stickers that actually got me interested in football—who the players were, and who the teams were, and the colours, and who'd won what when, and who'd beaten who—and you know, I was from a family that, that that really weren't interested in the game, and so I had nobody to follow in that respect, nobody to point me in the right direction in terms of who to support, um, where to play, how to play. It it was all um, left to my own devices, really. Obviously, you know, I had friends who were really into football and um, friends that, that probably weren't, but I actually got them into it because they were in this sort of similar boat to me, really. Um, you know, without necessarily having fathers who were really into the game. My, my old man, never into football, really. Doesn't like team sports much. Doesn't like big crowds, so won't go to games um and despite the fact that he had a fanatical young lad, he never even came close to taking me to a match as a kid. Which is something I've always regretted even though, you know, I, I can't hold any grudge for it. But it is something that's um always it's always been there, something that's always made me a little bit sort of um, you know, regretful of, of opportunities missed really. And it's one of the reasons why I'm taking the opportunities I've got now with with my lad, even though really, one might argue, he's a little bit young. But I've kind of got him into into the game as quickly as I could. You know, that's sort of playing the game at a very young age, but also, you know, buying him replica shirts, so he's fully aware of who's, who's who, you know, which team wears what colours and... And, you know, he's able to look in the you know, the weekend sports pages and straight away pick out various players and various teams to me just from their badge or from, from, from the strip they're wearing. Um, which is great at his age, you know, he's not even five yet. Um and of course we've been going to to matches, um, at Stamford Bridge. We've now been to two together. And I've actually been to a third myself with a mate, which was a midweek game, so too late for him him to go to. Um, you know, and I'm becoming a bit of a fan if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I may as well admit it. I mean, I'm not gonna beat about the bush. It's not easy um to find yourself, you know, supporting another football team. It's not something that you that you plan and it's something you're not ever supposed to do, apparently. You know, you can change your job, you can change your underpants, you can change your wife. Um, but you can never change your football team. But well, I have to say, I'm not changing my football team. I'll, I'll make that clear right now. At the moment, you know, I am an Everton fan. And that isn't going to change. There's no plans for me to change that. Um, and I hope that, that I never do stop calling myself an Everton fan. But I've never been anything other than an armchair Evertonian. i um, only ever been to a handful of games in my life. You know, I've been to Goodison Park... Um, I think it's three or four times at most, and I've seen them away probably on another three or four occasions. So in 36 years, um, okay, not 36 years, because I've said I wasn't really into the game until I was nine, but in, you know, in, in, in 27 years, um, you know, I've seen Everton about sort of eight times, um. Live, you know, at a stadium, and that's not enough really to to be, uh, you know, a proper fan of anybody. I've watched them on TV, um, and I've enjoyed reading about Everton and listening to podcasts and all the things that go with it wearing shirts and going down the pub with your mates and watching big games. Um, but it's very difficult to call myself anything other than an armchair football fan until now you know i've been to watch chelsea 3 times in in a month and i kind of feel a little bit like i belong it's not um like i say something i intended to happen but it is something which you know is bound to to happen to a to a degree you know you can't really invest your time and your money and in chelsea's case it's it's tends to be a lot of money let's be blunt about it not a not a cheap team to follow by any means but yeah, you're investing your time and your money into something, and 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 also emotionally a little bit because of the fact that that I'm going with my boy, and I want them to win, and and I've taken much more interest in them as a club and as a team of late, and in the end, you're bound to get that kind of feeling that that you're part of it, even if you know you do feel like a bit of a fraud. Um, I bet you though, I've seen Chelsea already now more times at Stamford Bridge, than a hell of a lot of people who've been Chelsea fans for years and years. So that's something which, you know, already makes me feel like, well, I belong as much as they do because they've just been doing what I've been doing all those years as an Everton fan and classing themselves as a supporter when really, you know, doing it from a distance is, is fine, but it's never the same. It's never the same. I'm not, by nature, an armchair fan. This is kind of the point I'm making. Given the opportunity... I would have been going to football every week I ever could have done. And yet the reality is, you know, where I live, it's not conducive to supporting, um, you know, a football team because I live in in rugby country in the west of England where there really isn't much option in terms of, um, you know, big football sides. And, um, you know, that's something which is always going to restrict me. But by nature, I'm not an armchair fan. I want to go to games. I want to be in the stadium. I want to be experiencing the the um, the highs and lows of actually being there. I, I mean, you can tell I'm not used to it yet. I still find it weird that when I see a goal or an incident, I'm not immediately um given the benefit of an action replay. You know, so used am I to watching football on the television that I you know I haven't yet got over that. Whereas I'm sure people that have been watching the game in a stadium for years and years don't even think about it when that happens. I mean, I know there are screens in grounds nowadays and, you know, they're showing the match um, at the same time as it's happening on the pitch. I I mean, I don't really like that because you kind of end up getting distracted by the screen instead of looking at the pitch itself. But also because of um, the controversy that, that may surround any incident, they don't tend to show much on the screen. Other than the live action, so you don't get many replays, so you don't really get the benefit of of um of of what you would if you're watching on TV, because you know you're not really treated to anything remotely controversial, because they don't really want to stoke up the 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 crowd any more than than they have to. Really, it's obviously a guideline they've, they've agreed to in order to have these screens in place. Um I guess it's bad enough to go home and watch it on t v and find out the referee has got something completely wrong, but to actually see it unfold in front of you about ten seconds after he's just actually made a decision is um you know i suppose it's it's something that's um, that's, that's likely to cause to cause problems and friction anyway um you know on to onto to Chelsea themselves and their recent form i mean. You know, I was at the Wolves game when they, where they won 3-0, a very, very easy win. And of course they've had struggles since then though, having lost to, um, to Liverpool in the Carling Cup, another game I was at. But they just seem to have turned a bit of a corner in um, the last couple of matches. You know, A 3-0 win away at Newcastle United was absolutely fantastic on Saturday, despite the fact that there was a lot of controversy about whether um, Chelsea's David Louis should have been sent off very early on in the game um for you know what's probably um uh, you know a clear goal scoring opportunity um that he's denied um and I'd probably suggest that it that it, that it was a a red card but it wasn't given and, and Chelsea just had to get on with it really and Newcastle should have just got on with it um it's not as if they'd had a man incorrectly sent off and had been denied the opportunity of winning the game you know it was still 11 v eleven they could have gone on to win that match regardless of the fact that chelsea hadn't been reduced to 10 men as was probably um the deserved outcome but they weren't good enough to do that and they got beaten 3-0 in a game which you know frankly chelsea dominated for the vast vast majority of and you know it wasn't an easy place to go and play and you know especially with chelsea's form recently and newcastle going so well and being unbeaten at home it wasn't um, ever going to be an easy match, and yet Chelsea did sort of make it look a lot more comfortable than, than I think anybody had expected. And this was, you know, this was um, a significant result, really, especially in light of the fact that they were due to play in the Champions League on Tuesday night, which was last night, as I record this, against Valencia. You know, a game they really needed to win in order to continue in the Champions League this season. And again, they they pulled a very good performance out of the bag. The kind of performance that I think, just two or three weeks ago, people would have said they were incapable of. Yet they beat Valencia 3-0. You know, very comfortable victory, very comfortable performance. And things are looking up. Um... They've got a really tough game coming up next Monday against Manchester City, who are of course, unbeaten in the league this season and are um, riding high at the top of the table. But do you know what? i am got to make a prediction here, and I don't often do this. Um, certainly haven't done this on any of my podcasts. I'm going to predict that at Stamford Bridge, next Monday night, in front of the Sky TV cameras, Chelsea will beat Manchester City by two goals to one and will reopen up the Championship race, um, the Premier League race. Um, whether it's them that takes advantage of it or not remains to be seen, or whether it's Manchester United that that, that take advantage of, of City's slip up. But I honestly do um, feel brave enough to make a prediction that that Chelsea are going to overcome Manchester City at Stamford Bridge on Monday. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not putting anything on it. Um, well, I might put a few bob on it. Um, you know. I- uh, the book is but that's that's between me and the bookmaker I'm just saying that there's no forfeit planned or anything like that I'm just putting that result out there as a prediction and let's see what happens um, finally on the subject of Chelsea next game I'll be attending with my son is on New Year's Eve when they are at home in the league 3 o'clock kick-off which is a Saturday afternoon um, against Aston Villa so that's the next game I'm going to looking, looking forward to that already really um, you know Christmas is between that and where we are now and i don't want to wish my christmas away but yeah i'm looking forward to it it's something that i'm looking forward to after christmas which should sort of um mean that in those sort of days after christmas when things can get a bit boring um and people have been on top of each other for for a week or so it's going to be pretty good to be able to just get in the car and zip down to london and watch the um watch watch the match so I know William's looking forward to it. He's already asking me when we're going again, which is kind of really all I wanted to hear, if, if you like. Um, so that's enough on, on Chelsea and, and broadly on football. I do want to mention, though, um, two players that have been lost to our game in the last um, fortnight. Well, they're not players anymore, but they were, in their own right, both legends of the game. Um, of course, Gary Speed, who you know, anybody listening to this, I'm sure, will have heard what happened there. Um, not that we have, not that we really know anything other than the very basic of details, but but Gary Speed, who was the current Welsh national coach, um, former Leeds United, Everton, Newcastle United, Bolton Wanderers, and Sheffield United player. And also managed Sheffield United. You know, he was lost to to us um, in the football world. Um, and, of course, not only that, but to his wife and his family and his friends and everybody that that, that, that knew him and loved him. And it was a really, um, you know, real shock to anybody that, um, you know, they heard that news. I don't believe there's anybody who who wasn't going to be surprised by hearing that. I mean, I was actually driving back from um, London myself, having been to a football match the day before. It was the Wolves game I mentioned to you earlier with my son on the Sunday morning from London. And, um, you know, we weren't far from coming into our hometown. And, I, and it came on the radio. And I have to say, I felt numb. I can't really remember that last few miles of that journey. It was one of those moments where, you know, despite the fact that, you know, it shouldn't have affected me quite as it did. I mean, I didn't know the guy personally. At the end of the day, he's just somebody I'd seen on TV. Um, But it did, it was one of those that did affect me. And I've known a few other people say the same thing. It was just so unexpected and so um, horrible to hear um, what little circumstances we've got around it. And, yeah, it did, it left me cold, it left me cold, it left me completely numb and and almost you know upset but without being able to cry about it or anything that wasn't what I'm getting at here but it was just the way the way it shocked me really and and like I say I think that's a very similar reaction to to a lot of people had when they heard the news um such a shock that it was and um all I can do really is is echo all the um amazing words that have been spoken about Gary since his death um, you know, he was an Evertonian, um, you know, a fan as well as a a player for a part of his career. And we all know that things didn't work out very well for him in Everton, more because of the club than than him. He was at the club at a very, um, you know, a very um, unstable period. And I think there's a lot of things that we've never found out about why he left the club. But you know, Gary's a man of, of class and impeccable. Standards, and he never spoke about that. He never made a lot of noise about um, some of the things that that, that he's supposed to have um, encountered at, at the club. You know that there there were all kinds of allegations made about what how the club was being managed and and run at the time that he was there. And as captain, I think he had a responsibility at times to to kind of shield the players from from some of this. And um, I think in the end it got to him and an offer was made for him, you know, for a lot of money. And, um, you know, basically he he took that opportunity, which most people would have done. Um, but I think he did it reluctantly. I don't think he wanted to leave the club that he um, had had always supported and had only recently joined, you know, within 18 months um, of you know, coming to the club. But I don't think he was left with um, much of an option in the end. So he did leave the club, and and because the fans were very um, in the dark about why he left, they did give him a hard time, and and I must admit, you know, as much as anyone, I shouted at the TV when I saw him playing for Newcastle United and said some harsh things about him, and I don't regret those things because they're just things that are said in the heat of, of football without really much knowledge of of the real situation. Um, all I can say is is that you know. it it has no impact on how i feel about him as a man and as a servant of the game and i'm not embarrassed about what i've said in the past because it's just bollocks at the end of the day it doesn't mean anything it's just it's just the kind of thing that, that football fans say about um players and um people that have especially people that have deserted them football fans are you know very um a you know, very feeling bunch of people you know somebody leaves their club and they take it personally, especially if it's somebody who's always sort of reportedly been one of them in, in the case of, of Gary Speed, very similar really to, to the situation with Wayne Rooney. I mean he's supposed to have been an Evertonian and he's you know he buggered off at the first opportunity and, and of course that, that creates a lot of bad feeling amongst people who who would give their right arm to, to be in the situation that he was in. Um, but they're never going to get that chance, and to hit, to them, he's you know he's wasted it, and abused it. So, you know, that's Gary Speed, and may he rest in peace, and he'll always be remembered by the footballing fraternity, and um, he's a huge loss to the game. Um, you know, I believe he was going to be a very good manager, and the Welsh game was just starting to sort of recover some pride and some optimism really about the future and um, I'm not saying that can't be achieved without Gary because obviously the players are still there but you know you have to say that he was very much a an instigator of all that was good happening in Welsh football at the moment and um, it's difficult to see at this stage how how they're going to recover from from that the other player that um has been lost to us age 57 is the Brazilian legend Socrates? Um, he died on Sunday after an illness picked up in hospital. After um, after he'd actually been ill for for quite a while anyway. Um. You know, he's somebody I remembered. Um, in the World Cups of um. Certainly 1982, which is the one he's probably most famous for, um, the Brazil team of 1982 in spain at the spain world cup you know they were fantastic and socrates um with his trademark headband and his massively you know um loping style his his very tall almost you know ungainly style but yet sort of with with a degree of of elegance as well um Anybody that saw him play will will remember the way he looked on the field. Um, I was a bit too young to remember that that World Cup in in the way that I did the one four years later in Mexico in 1986. Um, I do believe he was in the squad then, but I'm not certain he he played much football um, because he was injured towards the end of his career. But I'm happy to be corrected on that because I didn't really do too much research into him before um, I wanted to speak about him. I just wanted to really say that, you know, it's a a sad thing when somebody you remember as a child um, doing the things that they were famous for and that they were so good at. You know, when they go, um, you know, he's not somebody who I've heard a lot about since he stopped playing, so it's not as if I've got much of a picture in my mind of what he was doing now and what he looked like. So to me, he'll always be um, this tall, elegant um, bearded headbanded figure in in gold and blue and and white the Brazilian football colours on those those richly green um, you know pictures of Spain in the world Cup a very vibrant and colourful world Cup whenever you see clips of it um that sort of grainy early eighties eighties footage where the commentators still sounded like they were commentating on the match over over a phone line um and it does evoke a certain memory really and that brazil team i mean you know we we've had, we've heard these debates f- and we'll hear them forever really was it the best side never to win the world cup um to my knowledge yes but that's because my knowledge is limited they're the best team even though i've i've just said that i didn't see that much of that world cup as a, as a very young 7 year old I did see some of it, and I've seen a lot of it since um, and to me, yes, they were the best team um at a single world cup never to win that world cup. however, you know I'm perfectly prepared to to um accept that the Hungarians in nineteen fifty four um, and the Dutch in nineteen seventy four are easily. Um, arguably, just as, as as likely to be called the best team, you know, never to have won the World Cup, um, if not even more likely, especially in the case of of Holland, who of course, got to two consecutive World Cup finals without winning one. Um, so, th- so it's not really me opening up for debate. It really is just me saying that's what I think, and there isn't much basis for it other than um, than the limited footage I've seen of of those those three teams if you like but um yes another loss to the game and a sad a sad um you know a sad story really of of his passing some housekeeping now in terms of um my blogs my new blog pieces um first of all i have a new blog piece on my regular blog, richardp1975.wordpress.com. Um, you'll find a piece on there, The Job I Knew I Could Not Do. You know, This is another one of my sort of outpourings, my unloading, if you like. Um, it's something I've rarely talked about with anyone or in front of anyone other than my very closest um family members and friends. And I just thought, you know, I have to say I was sort of inspired to do it by um by Danny Ruiz on asking for people to contribute to his show. Um that's Please Don't Hug Me, of course. He was asking for people to contribute to his show and say, Well, you know, have you ever had a job that you knew you couldn't do? Um How long did he get away with it? Did you get away with it? Did he get caught? Did he get discovered? What happened? And, you know, I could have sent him a huge piece on it. And I know that he's not going to want a whole raft of of me to contribute to his show. when he's got probably lots of other people contributing as well. So I have sort of linked my blog to him and said, you you know, you're welcome to talk about this, but because he'd raised it, it it gave me the impetus to write about something which I've been planning to write or or talk about on here, one or the other, for quite some time. Um, And in the end, I did put, um, I was going to say pen to paper, but that's total nonsense. I did put fingers to keyboard, and um, I did, you know, decide to write a, a blog post, which turned into a fairly lengthy one, not my longest by any means about the job that I'd um, held with a, um, a big four audit company, a global big four audit company, which will remain nameless, um, who I worked for, for two and a half years from autumn 2006 until late spring 2009, um, before being let go, um, basically having been offered a severance to, to leave the firm and I do talk about the emotions that, around this and how I kind of fought with the knowledge really that I that I knew um, I wasn't in the right job for, for a couple of years before finally being sort of found out and, 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 and cast out really so please do go to my blog richardp1975.wordpress.com and you will see that new post on there. I also have a new blog. I set it up totally separate to the other one because it's far more daft and lighthearted, and not really uh, meant to be a blog in, in the same sense of the word at all. Um, I'm one of those people that, that spots... Bad signs, crap signs. As I as I walk around, I'm sure we all do. Um, you know, the advent of the camera phone means now if I see a sign that that either amuses me or annoys me or for whatever reason makes me want to take a picture of it, I've decided to do that and then put it up on my blog with a few words to sort of accompany um, my thoughts on it, and um, hopefully it should be amusing, but also you know provide other other emotions. Um, the first one is on there now it's a picture I took only last week um, I think the, the main criteria is that you know it's a sign I'm taking a picture of myself it's not going to be taken off anybody else's website it's a sign I've seen and taken a picture of and um, decided to put on this blog and um, you know is worthy of worthy of some comments really so that's what I've done. Um, the blog is at crapsigns.wordpress.com. That's crapsigns.wordpress.com, and the actual blog is called "crap signs that I have seen." I think um, you know it's a very simple name, and it's not very inspiring, but it really is just crap signs that I have seen. Um, the first ones on there, as I say. Um, please do have a look at it and um, leave some comments and perhaps send me any crap signs you've seen like i said they probably won't make the blog because it's supposed to be signs that i've seen although who knows i might have a section on there for crap signs that other people have seen and wanted me to to see them so that's fine if that does happen all i would say is if people are going to do that that would be great but but please make it signs that you've seen and photographed yourself rather than just things you've seen on the internet because we could all trawl through the internet and find thousands of, of crap signs, um, but that's not really the point of of what I'm doing, um, doing it for. So, okay, so that's my two blogs: richardp 9075wordpresscom and crapsigns.wordpress.com. I think that's going to be it. Now, you know, like I say, talked a lot about football this week, which isn't necessarily something which everybody's going to be be happy with. But do bear with me, you know, it's not a sports cod p- sports podcast. I nearly said Cod past then. I don't know what that is. Um and it's not going to turn into one. But you know, I am somebody who's very passionate about football and always ever has been, despite the sort of cynicism creeping in as you as you get older and realise that, you know, the game and it's the circus that goes with it can, can sometimes frankly be ridiculous. But um It's important enough that there's no way... It's not going to feature in a a podcast... Um... Where I talk about the things I... Have experienced and encountered... and, and, And what I think and what I know... So please do bear with me on that... Um... And that's really it for now... This has been the first ever static... Edition... Of The Walk... This is show 13... Um... It's been done in one take, but there may be noticeable pauses on the audio because um, at various times people did walk past. And I do find that it's much harder to kind of get away with it stood talking into your phone um, in what really is obviously not a phone call. um, Compared to what it's like when you're walking along and, and you're sort of out of people's earshot within within seconds so I, d- I have found that to be a little bit problematic I mean I'm in a spot where not many people have gone past but those people that have I've um, I've been quick to sort of execute the pause button and um, so if it's a little bit disjointed in that way then I can only apologize not sure what show 14 is going to bring us next week yet no plans about what to talk about and um, no idea what the format will will be um, but please do keep looking out on Twitter. Um, you'll find me there, RichardP1975. And um, I'll always update you with anything that I'm doing in terms of um, this podcast or or any of my blogs. Um, so, you know, it'd be great to hear back from people. Um, the final thing I want to add today, just before recording this show, um, the last bit of music I listened to was... The latest album by um bon Iver. And I have to say that, you know, that's not listed in my top ten albums of the year shortlist as yet on on my blog. But it's gonna be. I haven't got round to listening to it before now. And if I'm honest, I wasn't really sure I was keen to. I don't know why why that was. You get you get miss miss um Misconceptions about about things, don't you? And I, I honestly didn't necessarily think it was going to be my thing, but I've just heard um, bon Iver's self-titled, um, I think it's his second album, which came out earlier this year, and I thought it was absolutely fabulous. It's definitely going to go on my, on my, um, on my nominees um, for the best albums of the year now, which, you know, I think is currently being led by either. Um, the Fleet Foxes Helplessness Blues or Kate Bush's 50 Words for Snow they're definitely in my top two at the moment, there's no voting process or anything when I say they're they're up there it's because they're that's where I've decided they are um, and I'm not sure which order they're in yet and I'm not sure whether anything else can come through and knock either of them off that, that perch but just, just so as you know that's what I'm thinking Thanks for joining me. See you again next week for show 14. Have good weekends all.